it is such a delight to see you this this afternoon or this evening, wherever you might be. And uh, I would invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter uh, 18. Luke chapter 18 today, as uh, I want to address just the theme of persistent, passionate prayer. Persistent, passionate prayer. I uh, was reading an article this week about the persecuted church, and um, uh, an organization comes out with a uh, a report every year, and it was just released this year, uh, stating that about um, 360 million Christians are in areas of some level uh, of persecution, uh, whether that would be a high level, a very high level, or extreme level of persecution. Uh, one in five uh, Christians on the continent of Africa and two out of five in the in the continent of Asia experience uh, persecution of some sort or another. Um, about 125,000 Christians were displaced last year, according to this report, and about 15,000 are refugees with about uh, with several thousand Christians reported being killed in the last year. What can be done about uh, persecution and about injustice in the world? Of course, we can give to organizations and, and help them uh, in their endeavor to assist the persecuted church. Um, we can give to relief projects. We can advocate uh, for uh, for those who are persecuted. But one of the things that we can all do is we can all pray. Uh, one man said that our prayers can go where we can not. And today I think we have an illustration in the Bible, not of a, uh, uh, an individual who was persecuted necessarily for her faith, but she was certainly uh, one who was uh, uh, a victim, we might say, of injustice. And um, we want to see how she responds to the injustice in her life and take some principles away uh, for praying not only for the persecuted church, but um, other groups of people throughout the world. This is a parable of the persistent woman uh, who was facing an unjust judge. And uh, it shows us how to have courage and how to have perseverance in the midst of extreme difficulty. I want to note that this was a woman who was very resilient, very resilient, though she was isolated. Maybe you can relate to that today in some aspect of your life, some trial of your life. Certainly the persecuted church can relate to that. And I want us to pray today for them that they would remain resilient, even though at times they are isolated. Let's read the text. Verse 1 of Luke 18, and he spake a parable, this is Jesus, he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men are always to pray and not to faint. So Jesus tells us right up front the purpose, the design of this parable. He says, there was a certain, or there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, 
lest by her continual, continual coming she wearies me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Let's pray briefly. Mighty God, would you help me as I open this text just for these few moments together? Give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God teaches in this text. And help us, Lord, to be in persistent, passionate prayer for revival and the awakening of your people. I pray, O oh God, that you would teach us what it means to be resilient and what it means to help one another in times of need as we continue to be faithful in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. This is an interesting parable. It occurs in Luke 18, and it's the next to the last parable in a whole series of parables that stretch all the way back to Luke 13. Some of the most well-known parables are in this greater context, including the parable of the lost sheep, the lost shekel, the lost son in uh, Luke uh, 15. And uh, as I said, it's the next to the last parable, and it follows Jesus's teaching on his second coming and what will precede that, what will precede that second coming, rather, a time of, of great disaster, a kind, a time of, of greater persecution and a greater gloom upon the earth. Uh, you can read Luke 17 uh, sometime 22 through 37 and recognize there's no break between what Jesus taught about his second coming and this particular parable that deals with injustice and will the Son of Man find faith when he comes again? The point of the parable is very clear that men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. And uh, here we are in day number 693 of United Prayer. And we continue to need to pray for resilience and uh, thank the Lord that although we are separated uh, in presence, we are not isolated in spirit. This parable is very is a very uh, portrays a very common scene, I guess you might say. It's a very simple parable, and it's also very short. Jesus is the master storyteller. He includes two simple characters that would have been well known in that day. Um, there was a judge, and there was a widower or a widowed uh, woman who comes pleading for justice. It's in a particular city. It seems not to be a larger city. This is not a widow coming to the Supreme Court of Israel at the time, known as the Sanhedrin, or even a court in a larger city where there were multiple judges. But rather, this was a scene played over many times in Israel, where there were local magistrates, usually appointed by the Romans, and usually unbelievers, often Gentiles. Uh, these types of judges were just above uh, the level of a tax collector as they were viewed commonly in the day of the, of the Israelites. Notice a couple of things about this judge. He neither feared God nor, he nor did he respect man. 
He was not a judge who feared the Lord, and he was very indifferent to those that came to him. He was simply there for himself and for the money. One commentator says, in short, this judge was bereft of basic decency, lacking in nobility, devoid of natural affection, and without regard for God or humanity. And what do we know about this woman? First, she was a widow. Secondly, she was by herself. She had no advocate. And thirdly, women in that day had no standing in court. Only men went to court. So apparently there was no husband we know, no son, no brother, no brother-in-law, no nephew, no one that would come to the help of this poor, desperate, helpless, powerless woman. And if this judge had known anything about the Old Testament law, he should have given special treatment, special attention to this woman. We're assuming that her case was legitimate in the parable. She's pleading, and she kept coming to this judge relentlessly. This judge viewed this woman as what we might think of as a fly or a bug that is disturbing us in the heat of summer. And he just wanted to basically swat her away. He was calloused and cold-hearted, and um, he didn't want anything to do with her. But notice what happens. The change comes in verse 4 and 5. Though he didn't fear God nor regard man, he's talking to himself. Yet he says, because this widow troubleth me, I'll avenge her. Let's basically, she wears me out. Um, she's going to just wear me out. So I just want to get rid of her. So he, again, was not doing it for any noble purpose, but God was at work. So here is a parable about persistent, passionate prayer in the midst of injustice, in the midst of what we might even call today persecution. And uh, again, a commentator says the point that Jesus is making is that while his disciples await his return, especially as the world grows more wicked and more doom worthy, he wants his elect to keep praying and not lose heart. As we think of the thousands and perhaps millions of Christians who are undergoing persecution today, should not we join them, not physically, uh, not any other way, but certainly spiritually through our praying? And the biggest threat, people who are on the ground tell us, to these Christians is not necessarily external, is not the persecution itself, but it's internal. And what they need most is to endure. They need a strong faith. And they need to realize that they are not forsaken by God, nor by others. What they need most is to be anchored in prayer and to be anchored in God's word. And so, friends, today, I just want to encourage us to not lose heart in praying for the difficult situations that we face but not to lose heart either in praying for those who are undergoing persecution. Of course, this could apply individually. Many on this call um, 
uh, have individual burdens that they have been pleading with God regarding for years. And coming on to this call has given them greater hope and a greater sense of not being so isolated. Some of you are in large churches and you can still feel rather all alone as you persevere in prayer at times. Many are in small churches. Many are in churches that they cannot get to very often. And so this call serves a very important purpose of reminding each other that we are not alone, that we can pray persistently together. I think today of pastors, it's uh, unusual and unlikely for a pastor who would be on this call to say, I am feeling all alone today. Or I am undergoing a deep, severe trial. I'm, I'm thankful for the openness of this group, but uh, sometimes even pastors will not share like that. We need to pray for our pastors. Uh, we need to pray for missions and missionaries that are in uh, different places that feel isolated and all alone. Uh, and so this, the application of this text could go on and on, but I want to just leave you with those words. Let's pray for resiliency. Uh, let's pray for a sense of community for those that may feel as if they're all alone. And it's interesting here how the, the text ends. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find people praying? Or will he find people who have lost heart? Even as I think in terms of our gathering right now, wouldn't it be wonderful if we are praying for the Lord's return, both, you know, physically a second return, but his return and revival? Wouldn't it be great that as we're praying right now in this hour, uh, Jesus would come back and Jesus would find that there are people of faith still on the earth, still praying persistently, still praying passionately for the, uh, the building up of his church and the spread of the gospel around the world. Amen.